Hello, folks. Welcome back to Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that discusses where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And wow, we are so excited to be back. We took a few weeks off for a much-needed vacation. I went to Amsterdam. James went to Japan. Um, our producer, Kyle, got married. Then he did a lot of TIFF stuff. And... Yeah, it was a much-needed break, Yes, but we're really thrilled to be back. Yeah, we went hard this summer. Uh, as you would know, if you lived in Toronto, kind of kept up with where we were at. Uh, and I think we all got pretty exhausted. And now, you know, we're refreshed, ready yeah. to take on the world. Yeah, and I just want to thank everyone who sent us uh, text messages and emails and notes about how much you missed the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we missed you too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're ready to get right back into it. So today we're going to talk, this entire episode is dedicated to... One of my favorite rappers ever, and I think one of your favorite rappers. Definitely, yeah, for sure. A man by the name of Dwayne Michael Carter, also known as Little Wayne, who's released his much-anticipated, long-delayed album, The Carter Five, which is his 12th, that's right, 12th studio album. I wonder how many total releases he has, including group projects and mixtapes. Well... He has 12 studio albums, one collaborative album, three compilation albums, two EPs, and 20 mixtapes. And so, that's 20 official mixtapes. That's right. That's right. We're not talking, we're not counting the bootlegs. The leaks. Might, the leaks. So on this today's episode, we're going to first get into how we each came across Little Wayne, how we got to know him, go through his career, through the highs and lows of the 2000s, and then to the saga of Carter Five itself, which uh, was a much delayed album, has kind of an interesting history. So that's what we're doing. Okay, so James, tell me, what was the first time, do you remember the first time you saw Little Wayne? Um, I'm trying to think of what what it was, because... For me, like the timing of me getting really serious about hip hop coincided with the rise of Lil Wayne. And like I was aware of sort of cash money Lil Wayne mm-hmm. and like him being sort of like a, a decent artist before that, but not like necessarily what he was like going to become or became uh, very shortly after like I got really into hip hop. Mm-hmm. Do, do you want to talk a little bit about what Cash Money was? Yes, for sure. So um, Cash Money Records was uh, one of the first independent, truly independent um, rap labels uh, to come out of the South and was one of the two uh, biggest ones out of New Orleans. New Orleans. Nor- it's hard not to say that as one word. New Orleans. Uh, in the two- in the 90s, the other being, of course, No Limit Records. No Limit, the OG independent rap record hustler, Master yeah. P. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, some someone who maybe we'll get to in another episode because it's another interesting story that yeah, I think isn't talked about be, enough. We need to talk about that. There needs to be a biopic made. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, um, basically like what I knew was there was, especially there's this artist named Juvenile who was sort of their biggest artist, uh, through the nineties. You hopefully know him by, uh, his most famous song. Also maybe the best song ever recorded back that ass up. Uh, that song is still to this day, like you could probably play it in uh, most clubs in the world and it would... And asses would be backed up. Yeah, exactly. It just would. Uh, th- there's so many amazing things about that song uh, from, you know, obviously Juvenile's contributions to Manny Fresh's, uh, say, you know, talking about a big, thick plumber chick. 
uh, <laughs> which is like one of the like most descriptive, uh, you know, I don't know, just lines in hip hop history to me. And perhaps most relevant to this episode, Lil Wayne coming up with Drop It Like It's Hot. That's right. Uh, which became obviously a Snoop Dogg song and just generally like entered into a popular lexicon of, of sort of vaguely hip hop words that, you know, even like white marketing executives knew. Yeah. And which this also connects to the way that I first heard of Lil Wayne. Um, so as a kid, just watching the cash money rise of Juvenile and BG, um, and eventually the big timers, which is uh, Baby, Birdman, and Manny Fresh. But I remember like one of my first first memories of Lil Wayne was this was a song Bling Bling, mm-hmm. and like has like a really just like one of the like such an indelible hook, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let's, let's listen to a little bit of that. And so at that point, I kind of like I took an interest in him. I mean, I remember that I thought he was interesting, but he didn't really super stand out to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had his 500 Degrees album, which I remember enjoying, Mm -hmm. uh, but also like not any more or any less than any other rap that was out at the time. And yeah. then I think I I didn't really get serious about Lil Wayne until, um, I mean like the, the first Carter had some like huge songs on it that I really enjoyed like Go DJ, mm-hmm. um, I think Fireman's on it. No, that's Carter Two. That's Carter Two. Okay, yeah. Well, Carter Two is when I really felt like yeah. I got, like I got really serious about him, mm-hmm. and it, I still remember the first time I saw the video for the song Hustler Music, which mm-hmm. is like. And I was like, oh, this guy's like different. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's what was my feeling was he was different. Like he was a Southern rapper who did a lot of like, I mean, at, at the time he was like pretty like heavily derided by a lot of like kind of North East coast, Northeast types yeah. who were still very feeling very provincial about rap. And I mean, that divide was so heavy at that time. I mean, remember Wu-Tang being so upset about them franchise boys and Laffy Taffy yeah, and all that. It was like. It was like so ridiculous. Um, but, uh, you know, like, like I will say like one of my, probably it's not like my earliest little Wayne memory, but it's like a memory that really sticks out to me was that like, um, back in the really early, like, like hip hop internet days, one of like the biggest things, uh, felt like was like people sort of talking about or like trading in like rap freestyles that like mp3s because it was like pre-youtube whereas like now you can access all that stuff all the time but like it was like kind of a way to flex that if you knew about the, this person oh you don't think he's a good rapper well wait till you hear this freestyle or something like that um and there was uh little wayne before his like sort of young money days had um like s like squat up like his like right. uh and there was like a couple freestyles he did on uh what's, like, what's squat up it was it was like his like crew with uh gutta gutta uh peanut which i always love that rap name um I'm trying to remember who else was in that was currency maybe was in in that or currency came later because interesting like currency was sort of like like a often a forgotten member of of uh cash money who like didn't didn't get to be part of young money he kind of fell in the cracks and he wasn't part of like the prime cash money of the 90s mm-hmm. um 
So, yeah, it's a, it's a crew. A it's crew a crew. Rappers. It was a crew. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was kind of behind Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. And Lil Wayne had these, a freestyle on the Renegade beat from Jay-Z's Blueprint, which is still like... I remember like hearing that and be like, oh my God, he's like a really good rapper. And that was, that was pretty early. I think that's like from 2003 or something like that. Mm -hmm. I heard it probably in 2005 or or, yeah, probably 2005, I think. Yes. Just before the Carter two rollout. Yeah. And I think Carter two is around the time that Lil Wayne started referring to himself as the best rapper alive. He has a song on there on the album called best rapper alive. And I remember this being an extremely controversial statement. Like it was like, it's funny to think about it because now it's like every rapper can call themselves the best rapper alive. And people are like, yeah, you should probably be saying that about yourself if you're a rapper. But then it was like, it was like borderline sacrilege to say this if the industry had not anointed you mm-hmm. the best rapper alive title. And at the time, that t- that that title was exclusively essentially reserved for rappers from New York. Yeah. And pretty much Jay-Z by that time. Yes. Pretty much like it was sort of everybody had agreed more or less that Jay-Z was the best rapper alive. And, uh, you know, and, and like I remember for me, one of the point where I really, really got excited about Lil Wayne was uh, Dedication 2, which is a Gangster Grills mixtape. Uh, there was a, there's a track on the, I mean, it's all, it, that's a, one of like class, one of the best mixtapes of all time, but there's a track on there called sports center, mm-hmm. which is like Roger Federer. There's no competitor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, the beat is like one of the most interesting beats ever made to me. It's like the whole, the beat is made entirely of like someone like uh, kind of grunting from the tennis court and mm-hmm. just like tennis court sounds as sort of like mimicking like the, the rhythm on it. And he like wraps the whole thing in like sports metaphors and like are this really like bouncy flow. You know we should listen to it a little bit. Yeah, I love that song. Can I get a light, little dog, bigger bite, Jackson five, little mic. Can I get a mic or a mic in the hair? That source only shout out to the editor staff. Yeah, I'm all grown so much better with math. I need a spread in the force, taking the Benjamin bath. Yeah, I'm serving this track like Steph Graff. Yeah, Roger Federer, there's no competitors. Niggas yeah, dedication to then I think people started really getting excited, even though there was a little bit of still like reservations about him mm-hmm. um and then uh you know he had the the like early dj khaled cut we taking over yes, we had right. a mammoth verse that ended that song i think that's it's right. only eight bars and it is just like it i i think i still know all the words that's to it damn right i kissed my daddy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah which is a reference to a photo that came out at some point of uh Birdman and Lil Wayne kissing on kissing the lips. On the lips. Um, and which was it was like molten, molten <laughs> hot like internet tea in yeah. the in the the late aughts or mid to late aughts. Yeah. Um, but it was also around this time that like my favorite Wayne mixtape is the the Drought Three mixtapes. Yes. And this is like I remember back uh, around this time after the postcard of two like Wayne. Mm-hmm. I remember being a huge fan of his and saying, like, this is the guy, this is the guy. Yeah. And just following it obsessively. And this is before you could go, there were sites like the, you know, there were, I think the fader was around, but there were, there, it was, the fader internet. wasn't really the same internet presence. Didn't have the same internet you presence. Go to and blogs. I would, I would go, I went to this blog I used to go to called hiphopgame.com. And <laughs> wow. they would, they would always have these like Lucy mixtape tracks. And I would go there every, literally every day checking for new Little Wayne songs. And yeah. I remember when they started putting songs on from stuff that eventually became the drought and if you haven't listened to this to these mixtapes like honestly like, go to youtube go to like live mixtapes or wherever it is at their house because they're not on the streaming sites because mm-hmm. um 
they're mostly beats from uh, other rappers. Yeah. And it's just like hearing Wayne like body like track after track. And he would do this thing. Like he has a, he has a line on, on one of the songs where he's like, I can hop on any nigga song and make a part two. Yeah. And because what he would do is that he would get on these songs. He would essentially use the same, sometimes use the same flow as the rapper that mm. the original song and just like completely decimate the song. The yeah. Song. So, I mean, little Wayne, uh, I, for me, he, to me, he is like, this period of time like the the from basically carter 2 onwards to uh essentially like the carter 3 is the most exciting period in rap music or for for one artist like ever there's no there is not like a another time where one artist was just as like electric and like little wayne at this time started and ended like several trends he started like the making most rappers have to be incredibly prolific. Like that is when it really, really started that little Wayne just started appearing like little Wayne songs just started appearing all the, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like he was putting up verses on any, on anything. Like there was all these, like he was on like a very late job ja rule song at the time. That's actually really good because you know, little Wayne was on it, uh-huh. you know, um, he uh, he kind of like ended the freestyle thing that you were talking about because uh-huh. no one ever did it as well as he did it during the jacking this period. for beats. The jacking for beats where it's like you rap over another rapper's beats. Yes, this is also this also coincided with the time that the FBI raided DJ Drama mm-hmm. and Don Cannon's office for like copyright violations. For, yes. for this very thing, which also led to rappers not using productions from other artists who they didn't have the rights to anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, so. For me, for me, I think that like one of the most of evo- the most evocative songs for like Wayne's skill level at this point is "Upgrade You," which is like mm. a take off the Beyonce song. Yeah, um, and it's just like it's it's the his like the way that he paints a picture, like the way that he creates very vivid images. Mm-hmm. He's really funny. The raps are very punchy. There, it's like free associative, so like one line connects to another one in a completely different like scenario, mm-hmm. and I think it just really shows his facility for words, his sense of humor, and just his inventiveness. Yeah. You know, like some, this is like stuff that like he he would make the kind of jokes in a rap song you never heard, you didn't even know were, were possible. Like yeah. it's like he could say serious things but also make it funny. Yeah. You know. <laughs> like the maple leaves has a hockey team and i ain't no no hockey team but i'm a champion where's the fucking rocky theme damn rest in peace apollo creed i'm a monster every day is halloween a lot of syrup a lot of pills and a lot of weed and i keep my pockets green like a pot of yeah i mean and, and on that similar track just as we were kind of talking about before about how jay-z uh was the considered unequivocally the best rapper alive at that point um Lil Wayne uh, jacked uh, the lead single off uh, Jay Z's like comeback record, "Kingdom Come," on on uh, what you got, yeah, mama. on Drought Three, and just destroyed it. Like he, like, like it made Jay Z look kind of pathetic. And that I felt like that was the moment when like so many people really started paying attention to him. And so after Drought Three came out, it was sort of the summer two thousand seven that that happened. And like from you know. Uh, for me, like being sort of midpoint of university, like just really like me and my friends just so excited about Little Wayne, like just tr- like listening to Little Wayne, like all day and night, basically. And at that point, 
we these starting to see uh, like a trickle from Carter Three and like just some incredible songs that are supposedly like were recorded for the Carter Three that were leaked on various mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Um, like he has a song that's sort of about him growing up in New Orleans called La La La. Mm-hmm. He has um, what is probably the most influential song, in my opinion, of like the 2000 like aughts era. I feel like dying. I feel like dying yeah. and pros- and like uh, relatedly prostitute flange, yeah. which basically usher in. All of the music of the 2010s. The, the, a lot of the, the, the singing, singing, the, sing, the, auto, the heavily auto-tuned singing, like really emotional kind of rapping that yeah. kind of, I mean, this co- drug ballad. Dr- yeah, that really ties in. This also like is around the same time as like Love Lockdown and Kanye West. But this stuff. is like a this year is, before. This is a year before. This is a year before. So before. especially, especially like from a different perspective of like a gangster rapper mm-hmm. who's like singing about either like, like being on withdrawal being a, like drug withdrawal oh. or like romance yeah like, just like really like kind of topics that at the time had not been tackled in this way yes by for sure else. absolutely especially in the, that kind of like swaggy like southern rapper vein and mm-hmm. uh, and it, it like it was just like it the other thing is that the time around it was probably the worst time for the rest of rap like two th- like like 2007 2008 Outside of Lil Wayne, clips a few other artists like Ti, Jeezy, who is the, the worst, probably the no worst period land. Of, of of rap since like ever, you know, because <laughs> like in the eighties when it just wasn't as good, yeah, there's still like a lot going on, and it, the expectations weren't the same, yeah. And then like basically from like 1990 on, it was just like kept getting better and better, yeah, and then like, ladies are getting like Public Enemy stuff like that, yeah, like, yeah, like stuff still like even 1990s like Tribe and like Snoo- you know like like uh, Ice Cube and mm. like you know ghetto boys and stuff and then like and you know 2000 a lot of people feel like in the two early 2000s it's sort of starting to fall off but there's still like lots of really good records in that period is mm-hmm. you know the 50 di- cent 50 cent dipset like jay-z Absolutely. nas like uh in the south he's got ludicrous you've got trick daddy right. you've still got outcast going mm-hmm. like there's so much good stuff and then most of those artists actually kind of stopped making music at honestly this point. it's like the post crunk era like yeah. so like after around 2006 you, like you when like at some point when Crunk took over, Little John took over from yeah. like maybe two thousand four. Yeah, I was I was in uh in I was in an Uber, uh, like this morning and on the radio they're playing Yeah by Usher. Yeah, and I was like, I remember when that song came out in two thousand four, and I was like, this might be one of the best songs ever. <laughs> and I was listening to it in the car today in twenty eighteen. I was like, this might be one of the best. Songs ever. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Usher was on one then though. Oh he my was gosh, so yeah. good. But then yeah, those those years, the two two thousand seven two thousand eight were kind of like really dark periods in yeah. hip hop. Um, and then, so it's kind of through this like incredible torrent of music, the mixtapes, uh, post Carter two, which is like a really strong album with a lot of standout songs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, creating a lot of anticipation and, and, for the Carter the, three. There's also the, the Birdman, uh, like father, like, like son, father, like son, which, which is, is a great album, fantastic album, extremely underrated, underheard, even by, I think some Wayne fan. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't listened to that album, I would say take your, Take your ass to the nearest streaming site <laughs> or illegal download purveyor of your choice and like get into that album. There's some mm-hmm. really good, really some really exceptional little Wayne rapping on that. album. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, the Carter three, we want yeah. to talk about the rollouts. We talked a little bit about the leaks. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, and, and like really 
you know, the 2000s is the era of like record labels messing with artists. Uh, but in, in like Little Wayne's case, it's not. It wasn't just because some executives didn't know how to market him. It was literally people in his record label selling his his uh, unreleased music to like Evil Empire and other uh, mixtape companies to like so that it, did, it couldn't come out. And like some of the best music ended up not actually being on the Carter Three, mm-hmm. but it didn't change the fact that Little Wayne was at the time like the biggest rap artist in the world, and people were so excited for Carter Three. And then probably one of the most interesting and still kind of timeless rap songs of that era and it maybe ever appeared. It has uh, it was an incredibly successful single and had no hook. Uh, you probably have heard it before. It's called a Millie, um, which maybe if you haven't heard it, let's just play like 10 seconds of it because it uh, is really exciting. And if you hear 10 seconds of it, you'll want to go and listen to the rest of it. But also, also released for, for this album was this lead single song called Lollipop, which is the complete polar opposite stylistically of Amelie. Yeah. And it was, I remember like at the time, really controversial as a mm-hmm. single to release for this album. I still vividly remember talking to somebody who was a Little Wayne fan and was like, what is this garbage? <laughs> and I was like, I, I guess it is kind of garbagey, but I was like, I like it. Like oh, secret no, is like, I'm like, but it, this is a song that is aged like a fine wine. Yeah, like, absolutely. The, like the more I think about it, the more I listen to it, it's just like, it just blows me away. It's like a super, it's even like, it's like, you know, it sounds super like kind of like drugged out wheezy, yeah. but it's really sparkly. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. You say she's so sweet, says you want to lick the rapper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's like, and then uh, I mean, at some point Kanye West was on a remix that yeah. was also really great. Yeah. But it was just like the fact that he did this song that a lot, like he knew was going to be super polarizing was a completely left field lane that like he, no one in the music game was doing. No, certainly mm-hmm. no one in rap was doing. And then through sheer force of like skill and mm-hmm. songwriting talent, this became one of his biggest hits at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'll i be honest that like sometimes I think about going and literally writing like a dissertation or some kind of book about like mixtape era Little Wayne. It's, you know, like for me, it was it was the, the like the most exciting time in hip hop and in in or at least it was the most exciting artist to watch. Not the, the greater time, but just uh like i'm i'm so fascinated by that whole like kind of process um and there's a re- and it, you know if you want to like kind of learn more about this there's a great documentary uh which we actually screened, we screened last uh, year last year last summer in toronto it's called yeah. the carter yeah um and you can find it on yeah. it's easily f- found if you search the carter documentary on google yeah so carter uh the carter, carter 3 comes out i think it goes platinum the first week yeah they're pretty close yeah uh i think it was the first week i'm pretty sure because i remember like uh baby gives him like a rolls royce for it and like the in the documentary um Anyway, it was just like the it was the most. You're right. It did go platinum in the first week. Yeah, and I, sh- I should also mention that Lollipop spent five weeks atop the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, so it was like one of Wayne's biggest songs ever. Um, now, uh, a co- uh, at the same time, there were a couple unfortunate things going on in the background. First of all, was Wayne's drug use, 
which uh, as this kind of time period got on, the songs he was putting out got looser and looser. And mm-hmm. some of them loose in like a really interesting, fun way and lose some in, in like a, mm, and this isn't quite as polished and like energized uh-huh. and it's like intense. I mean, you know, when I, when I feel like dying came out, yeah, we were like, I remember being in university and my friends were really into it. Yeah. And um, I feel like it's almost like the music of today where people rap or sing a lot about drugs. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, this is so much fun. I love the music. And yeah. you're not thinking like, this is like a cry for help, perhaps, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, like, it definitely didn't really help things. But you know what didn't help things uh, a lot more than that was the NYPD. So uh, Little Wayne, I think, for, like maybe a very long period of time had only ever done one show in New York. If I could ever go back in history and go to one show, it would be this show. He did a show in New York at a pretty small club uh, where he, in the sort of 2000, summer 2007, where he uh, performed like a bunch of his like sort of unreleased stuff, his mixtape stuff, like in, in like, like I remember a lot of the rap bloggers and journalists and stuff. I, following was following at the time talking about going to it and being super psyched about it and just like it being this crazy thing but that night he was out smoking uh weed near his tour bus with ja rule with ja rule (laughs) Uh, wow yeah smoking weed near his tour bus with ja rule the police came up approached him yeah they started questioning him they searched uh, the tour bus. They found a gun yeah. in a in a gym bag. That yeah. the gun was registered to his manager. Yeah, but they still arrested Wayne for it. Yes, and uh, and and the thing is that like you may not have heard of this before, but the NYPD literally had a unit that was out to bust rappers like unofficially hip hop police and like you know their probably biggest prize that they got was uh, Little Wayne during mm-hmm. this time. So he was charged with criminal possession of a weapon. Yeah. And in 2009, he was convicted. Yeah. And went on to serve three months at Rikers. I think it was three months? He ended up serving eight months. Eight months. Eight months. So, a year-long sentence. Right. Okay. So I remember it feeling like he put out, before right before he put this, he before he went to jail, he put out maybe his last truly great mixtape, I think, from in my taste, No Ceilings, uh-huh. uh, which is, is he again sort of, it was like the last gasp of like real mixtape, Lil Wayne, where he's going off on like swag surfing, ice cream paint job. Oh and he had, he debuted a single called Single, uh, which was, uh, like kind of like one of those like I think single was one of the first songs that I ever saw kind of blow up on YouTube as like a like like a go viral kind of song like it it wasn't like a, a, a label push single but it like uh, had a, a lot of views. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, also, also worth mentioning at this time is that as he is ascended as to become one of the biggest rappers in the game. He's also developing his own label, the Young Money Imprint, which is uh, under the Cash Money umbrella. Yeah. And on this label, on this label, he has two major artists. There's mm-hmm. some other artists on it, minor, uh, Tyga, for instance. But he's two <laughs> major artists who go on to dominate the next 10 years of rap, essentially. You might have and heard that, of them. You might have heard of them. One is known as Aubrey Drake Graham. The other is Nicki Minaj. Yeah. So... Like Nick, you can hear Nikki on uh, on the No Ceilings mixtape. Uh, no, on the on uh, on Dread Three. 
She's on Dread. Oh, that's right. She is on Dread Three. Yeah. She has a good verse. She does. I remember yeah. thinking, I was like, "Who is know, this person?" This was this was also the era where you might hear a fire verse from yes, some rapper you've never heard of on someone's mixtape. Like this person sounds great, so promising, <laughs> and then you would never yeah. hear from them again. Absolutely. But I remember thinking, "This Nicki Minaj, like, she's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I hope she sticks around." Yeah. And uh, I remember I'm like, uh, so I remember 2008, I had this uh, roommate who was like subletting for a month, uh, who was at the time dating a a Degrassi cast member. And I remember when uh, like F50, like the first like Drake Lil Wayne song came out on Not Right. And I was like, you know this guy from Degrassi, right? And she's like, Aubrey? <laughs> and I was like, he's going to, I remember saying, actually, he's going to be very famous because I, that was what Little Wayne meant to me. The fact that it's like, if he had been on, like, if Drake had been on, like, I don't know, even like a, uh, who would be like a tier B rapper, like Young Dro song or something mm-hmm. like that. I'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, well, good for him. But like, Little and I, I like Young Dro, but uh, Little Wayne. I was like, he is with the hottest property in rap at the time. He's gonna be huge. Now mm-hmm. I didn't obviously For anticipate CEOs. this, yeah. but anyway. So like Little Wayne, not only had like been this during this period, he not only ended trends and started trends that were are still going on today. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I the rapping that he's doing in this period, you can trace so much of like I in my opinion every single rapper that's come out of the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you can ter- you can find little Wayne in them. Like whether it's J Cole or Kendrick, whether it's like Young speaker, Thug, Young Thug. I mean Young Future. Thug. We'll get to Young Thug. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Um so, so, so yeah, I mean, this is just this is crazy also, time period. Interestingly enough, I, re- I remember around this time when he was calling himself the best rapper alive, and people were interviewing him about it. And they're like, "Yeah, but like you know, Jay Z." And he's like, "He's like, you know, he's like, we all like, he's like, every rapper of my generation, he's like, we got our swag from Jay Z. We all model ourselves after how he modeled himself. So it's like." It's interesting seeing how the unofficial baton, maybe not willingly, was passed, mm-hmm. where Jay-Z was the, was the most influential rapper of a certain era. And then Wayne kind of took that torch. And like we started talking about Little Wayne, talking about his career from like 1999, the year 2000, and talking about his connection to Drake and Nicki, mm-hmm. and also putting out this album. That's fucking 18 years yeah. of like... Of being one of the most important people. I mean, there's obviously a period where in the gestation period for this album coming out, like he kind of was like, he was around, but he wasn't as prominent. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about what his tentacles reach, like through Drake and Nikki, he was a part of the conversation constantly. Yes, so absolutely. That is a long run. That yeah. is a very, he's one of the most influential rappers of all time. There's a really great vi- video on that because I don't know that we're going to talk about Drake and Nikki that much more in the show that I'll mention. There's a video lookup of, uh, Little Wayne hanging out with Nikki and then Drake hanging out with Nikki from like maybe six, five, six years ago. Go and see how Nikki Minaj reacts to Little Wayne and then reacts to Drake in that same clip. Interesting. Please do. It's Interesting. really enjoyable. Okay. So after Wayne gets out of prison, um, things were different. So I remember uh, listening to uh, Little Wayne's, maybe his first radio station interview after he got out of prison. And, uh, <laughs> like, like, uh, first of all, he would, he, they asked him what music he wanted to listen to. And he only wanted to hear like very romantic R and B. I remember, which was real. And like, not even like, you know, whatever the R and B was of the day, like an usher or something. Like I'm talking like adult contemporary kind of R and B, like a uh, tank or something like that, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which I th- was really kind of funny to me. And then they asked him if he'd heard Drake's album and the Drake's album had been out for six months. Uh, thank me later. Like his first, not after so far gone, his first like 
major label debut. And he's like, nah, I didn't listen to that. <laughs> it was like really funny to me. I mean, well, it's also like there, Wayne has a prison memoir from the time that he was in uh, Rikers. Mm-hmm. It's called Gone Till November. And in it, there's a really interesting detail of a time that Drake came to visit him or he talked to Drake and Drake was like, hey, so you know that that one girl you were dating before? He was like, oh, yeah, yeah, such and such. Yeah, we still talk. She's texting me. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, like I slept. You shouldn't trust her because I slept with her. <laughs> and Wayne is Wayne is in Rikers Island in jail, when yeah. Drake, which I still think about that. I'm like, why would you tell him that? But so, I, I mean, this, we can talk about Someone this. Someone gave him that advice, by the way. Someone must have told Drake because I don't think Drake came to that decision at the time by himself. Uh-huh. I mean, it's bad advice. Well, I think I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. We'll talk about this a bit more when we get into the album and mm-hmm. about Drake's absence on the album. Mm-hmm. But it, it's there's like interesting stuff going on in the Drake and Wayne relationship. Yeah. There's like some strange. Always will be though. I think honestly, because yeah. it's sort of like like a uh, Drake. Like for the longest time, like if your time, little brother exactly like starts, overtakes you yeah, essentially exactly. and becomes what you used to be, yeah, exactly. and you have to see him all the time, knowing yeah. that you're the one who. And he brought like, him into the game essentially. Drake was so reverential towards Wayne for like the first four or five years of his career. Like mm-hmm. he always said that he is like seconded to Wayne and all mm-hmm. this kind of thing. Like Wayne was like, you know, he had so much respect for him. Yeah, he still he still clearly does, still does, but he also is like, yeah, it's different now. Yeah, it's different now. So after he gets out of prison, he uh, he puts out a couple of like rock infused records, which. One- called rebirth um which, i'm not a human being the, yeah i'm not a human being yeah um and i i think that there might be some good stuff on those albums but i feel like generally speaking the the less said about those albums the better yeah he gets pretty into skateboarding starts a you know brand called truck fit it's kind of like the the old michael jackson thing if you don't have a childhood you end up trying to remake your childhood as an adult for yeah. michael jackson is building a large playground like <laughs> yeah. amusement park in his backyard yeah. for little wayne it's getting into skateboarding as a 30 year old because he you know he i mean i don't think we mentioned this uh little wayne was signed to cashman records when he was 11 when he was nine he started calling baby's uh, like office like uh birdman's office and just rapping as like a nine-year-old into the answering machine because they wouldn't answer his calls <laughs> and then they they i signed him at 11 and so part he's of yeah. been rapping most of his life yes and he's been famous for also most of his life yeah or adjacent to fame at adjacent, least locally yeah. if you know mm-hmm. um so you know yeah he's a basically a true child star of rap who you know there's been other ones like crisscross or shaheem or little bow wow mm-hmm. but like he's one who the fame con- has continued mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so Wayne's skateboarding for years. Yeah. He's he's uh, putting out, putting out some songs. Uh, yeah. has, like they start talking about the, he releases the Carter Four, which is like mostly Carter, pretty mid, yeah, pretty was, pretty middling. Uh, not lot like not a lot of stuff like that stood out or lasted from that era. Mm-hmm. Then he kind of is like le- releasing like you know Lucy tracks at some point. Like there's the gestation period for Carter Five that's announced in I think they start. Hinting at it for like 13 or 14. 2013, 2014, they start hinting at this album being released. Um, and then so he's recording a bunch of songs for it, and then at some point enters into a huge legal row with Birdman, yeah, his his adopted <laughs> unofficial, perhaps official father. So, one thing we didn't really mention about Cash Money Records is that, uh, well, while Wayne said it's where dreams come true. Uh, I like seems where dreams go to die or yeah, dreams get locked up. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, the history of people who are assigned to cash money, 
like it's not not gone well. Yeah, if you want to talk about the people that helped create the label, the early people were like Juvenile, BG, um, Many Fresh, Turk, all these rappers who helped give them their their first like you know huge shine. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys got screwed. Yes. And, like if you talk, if you hear, hear a lot of these guys talking about their relationship with the label, mm-hmm. they talk about not being paid for stuff. They talk yeah. about not seeing it nearly the, the, the profit that, they uh, that the, des- that they deserved and that Birdman and, and the rest of cash money made. And, you know, Birdman is like, we're talking like, he's like in the hundred million dollar territory in yeah. terms of like net worth. And throughout this whole process, there are numerous producers who have talked about not being completely not paid at all. Like yes. not even like a dollar for from huge this songs, whole time, period. this whole time period. So, Essentially, all this to say, Cash Money's business track record is not good. And People, throughout all of this, Wayne is side by side with Birdman. Yeah. And I. People were saying that what this for a long time, though, like Juvenile and like Manny Fresh and stuff were kind of saying this that Little Wayne didn't actually have anything in his name. It's like whatever he wanted, Birdman will give it to him. But like all the money from the album sales, whatever. He wants a car? Oh, you can have a car. You have the nicest car. You have a Bugatti. You want a Bugatti? You have a good Bugatti. Mm-hmm. But like Lil Wayne was the most successful rapper in the world for a period of time. You know, he's selling out arenas, all that. And he didn't really have a lot on the, on the tail end of it. So we don't know exactly what precipitates this. But at some point, I guess Wayne starts to look through his records, starts to think a little more about like, what's, what's actually going on here? Like, what's my money? Like, what have I, what have I actually put out into the world? What's what supposedly have I made? And he files a $51 million lawsuit against Birdman. Mm -hmm. And it's going after like money from old album, from his old albums, stuff through stuff through his label. Mm -hmm. So it's like really like, going through all of the, the the old documents yeah and like let's let's dredge it all up let's figure out like how do i get what i'm actually owed mm-hmm. and <laughs> during this time there's there's been a new rapper appeared who uh you know oh to me from day one oh like it was very obvious the connection and and then like pretty soon once he started talking about it he was very loud about his love for little wayne and that was young thug young thug very early on he you know he kind of sounded like wayne he had sort of wayneish like pronunciation ad-libs uh you know even kind of looked like little wayne like styles himself a little bit after little wayne uh at the beginning and and, you know, and then he, at some point, originally Young Thug was kind of with Gucci Mane, and then at some point he teams up with Birdman. And, uh, you know, originally he has, uh, we, we, I think we've we mentioned this little period of time, he has this great group called Rich Gang with with Rich Homie Quan, but that dissolves. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of Young Thug and Birdman is like the, the pairing, which is going on exactly at the, the time when Lil Wayne is starting to question this and get into the, mm-hmm. this trouble. And just before the lawsuit is filed, I should mention that what the first signs of discord came out because Wayne wanted to release the Carter five. Yeah. This is like 20, like late 2014. Yeah, right. And he's saying that Birdman will not allow him to release this album. Yeah. And I mean, at the time everyone's like, how is, how could Birdman stop one of the most important rappers in the world from releasing? Why wouldn't he want to release this album? Yeah. And we didn't really know the answer. Yeah. Like it was never really. <laughs> no, I mean, and like for me, I always kind of assumed that it wasn't, it wasn't good. And that's why it wasn't getting released, you know, like because Carter four had been, underwhelming so it wasn't a single or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then music was still so much more tied to singles i think then it wasn't we weren't fully on the streaming just like your artist released something Mm -hmm. and then it just gets picked up there was still needed like a push from that at that point Mm -hmm. um and then 
basically, if you've ever seen the, the 1953, 51 movie, All About Eve, essentially the plot of that movie where an older actress uh, has her life sort of stolen by a younger actress, that exact thing played out with Young Thug and <laughs> Little Wayne. And so a few months later... <laughs> Little Wayne, I mean, sorry, Young Thug drops the Barter Five. But first, no, first, it's like he wanted to call his next album. He said he's going to call his next mm-hmm. album the Carter Six. Right. This, yeah. is, what, this yeah. is what he's saying. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to release the Carter Six. The Carter Five, meanwhile, the Carter Five is not even out. Yeah. And so Young Thug is out here cavorting with Birdman. Yeah. Which is like, like for somebody who professes to be the biggest fan of a rapper, yeah. this is like doubly insulting, I'm sure, on yeah. Wayne's Um <laughs> At some point, like the eleventh hour, like it's like maybe a week before the Carter Six Young Thugs album is supposed to be released, uh, the the name of the album changes, <laughs> presumably because Wayne's lawyers got on the, yeah. you know, the, the grind and were like, no, yeah, and so he changed the name to the Barter Six. <laughs> the Barter, f- I mean, the fir- like the f- you know, Birdman is all over that record. He, you know, like yeah. in the opening song, I believe Birdman's on there. Um, I mean, it's it's a great record. Let's be real. And, um, little, little Young Thug's best. So, like 10 days after, like 11, 10, 11 days after the Barter Six comes out, uh, Little Wayne is in Atlanta, Georgia, like for a show, and his tour bus gets shot up. And I mean, at this point, like it's pretty, for most people watching the music industry and paying attention to this situation, it seems pretty clear who you would suspect <laughs> was involved in doing this. Yeah. Um, a little while later, this guy, uh, Pee Wee Roscoe, gets arrested for the for shooting up the bus, and it turns out he's like a, a Young Thug's friend. It's like a guy that like like worked with him, worked with Young Thug as a tour manager, and just generally just been a pal of Young Thug's for years. So this is the person that they arrest for shooting up Wayne's tour bus, and luckily, like Wayne wasn't on the bus; like it was an empty bus, and no one got hurt. But so all this stuff is happening, and it's like. Very, a very confusing time, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Eventually, Pee Wee gets sentenced to 10 years in prison, gets convicted 10 years in prison. That conviction was recently overturned because his apparently his lawyer didn't actually provide provide him with the options, like a bunch of like a wide scale of options. Wow. For for actually dealing with the case. So the, the conviction is thrown out and, and Pee Wee's now free. <laughs> so that is a super bizarre detail, which it's actually still playing out. Like last week, the the DA in this case said they're still figuring out if they're going to charge Birdman and Young Thug with this shooting. Whoa. So this case is still ongoing. Oh my God. I okay. <laughs> anyway, let's just fast forward a bit. Yeah. Uh, at some point, it like Wayne is drop. He like last year he dropped a mixtape dedication six, mm-hmm. uh, continu- continuation of the dedication the series. series, and has some really like outstanding verses on it. There's one in particular that I'm always like trying to get people to listen to, and I've been obsessed with since it came out. It's called the Big Bad Wolf, and this is like classic mixtape wheezy. This is like it's sort of a sequel to Millie a little bit. That song, I guess, in some ways, yeah. Like, and it's just like five six minutes of just bar heavy Wayne in his bag rapping, mm-hmm. and so this is like for some Wayne fans like myself, it causes a moment for excitement. You're like, this guy, he still has it. Maybe we'll finally get that Carter Five. They figure it out. Um, at some point, it's he's him. There's like he's photographed. He's like with Birdman. Birdman's at a show of his. They seem to be like they seem to have a tense relationship, but that's working towards getting better. They eventually work out the legal stuff. There's a mm-hmm. there's a settlement. The details of which are not disclosed, but uh, the outcome of which is that Wayne is now the sole owner of Young Money Records and. 
he's going to be able to put out, he's like no longer tied to a contract with Birdman, and he's able to put out the Carter Five. Which brings us to the Carter Five. Um, the album dropped. It's long. It's 23 songs. Um, and what did you think of the album? Um, well, I'll be honest, like before I heard it, I was more aware of like in Bootsy Fade and on Instagram and whatnot, people being super excited about it and super happy about that it was good. And I think that there's sort of, it sort of falls into the same camp as like Daytona and 444 of this like veteran rapper putting out a late, like a project late in their career and people just being so happy it's good because yeah. it's so hard for all like rappers late in their career to, to like still be like who they once were, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so then once I actually listened to it, yeah, I mean, it, I did like it. I did feel, uh, I didn't, I wouldn't say that I like, I really liked the rapping on it. I found that the beats are, some of them are outright bad. Outright bad. Yeah. And, um, and I think part of this, there's a really interesting Rolling Stone article that came out a few days ago about the process of making this album. And it's like, it's kind of what you would imagine is that there are songs recorded from 2014 and 2013 and songs recorded as recently as like a week ago or like mm-hmm. 10 days ago that are on this album. And for some of the old songs, there's like, there's beats that, that were intended for this album that Wayne recorded a song over that they've had to tinker and change to make it seem more modern because the sounds that they were using from the 2014, 2013 beats are just not what is in the current like world and mm-hmm. just something that would sound super dated. So a good example is like the song Mona Lisa that one of the best songs in the album mm-hmm. that little Wayne has with Kendrick Lamar. That song was originally recorded in 2014. You know, and even, even even Kendrick's verse, it sounds like an old Kendrick. It does flow. sound, it's an yeah. Old Kendrick flow. It's got that like kind of um, high pitched like a uh, freak out voice in it a little bit that uh-huh. he had. He used more back then. Uh, there's there's a a writer who I really like who writes for Pitchfork uh, named Al Pierre who had a tweet that said. Um, Mona Lisa sounds like it was made for the 2011 Madden soundtrack. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> That's cold-blooded. And, it is cold-blooded. It's not entirely wrong. Um, <laughs> I will say that I, I really enjoy this album. Um, I do agree with you. The album opens up with like a... Uh, this is a hotly debated thing, but we've talked a lot about vo- like, in the Boosie Fade, the Facebook group, which if you're not in it, you should be like, just yeah. get on Facebook, search Boosie Fade. I'm sure our regular listeners who are in the group are like, can you stop saying this? But yeah. it's true that we have some listeners that are not in the Facebook group. It's true. So, but there's been talked, we talked a lot about like voicemail messages in, in hip hop, like as a, these as a good, trope. These are good ones. Though. This is a very good one. It's yeah. like little, the album opens up, opens up with little Wayne's mom. Um, just talking about the, it seems like she starts off wanting to talk about the album, but she just ends up talking about little Wayne Yeah, and she starts off saying people like, you know, I know the album's coming out and people are really excited, but I, I just know people are excited about it because they keep asking me about it. Yeah. And she's like, and you know, she's, and she just starts talking about how proud she is of her son mm-hmm. and about how he's taking care of their entire family mm-hmm. and including kids, kids who are not his own and they've never wanted for anything in their entire lives. And just generally talks about what a light in her life. Little Wayne has been for her. Mm-hmm. And she like breaks down and is crying, mm-hmm. um, which then leads into the first song, which is called don't cry mm-hmm. and it features, uh, you know, <laughs> not our favorite person. In fact, one of our, her least favorite people in the world, uh, XSS the Tentencion, the rapper from Florida who passed away last year. And apparently, uh, Wayne did not even know who this person was. He didn't know. 
Little Wayne did not know who Existencian was right. when he was on the, when he was put on the song, <laughs> which is out, hilarious. Yeah. To me. Uh, Little Wayne just did an interview with Elliot Wilson, the the hip hop journalist who works for Title now in this Crown series in New York, which is like a on stage interview, like hour long interview that he does with rappers. Wayne was interviewed and asked a bunch of questions about like contemporary hip hop, and Wayne knows nothing. <laughs> he's like really like really living a secluded, pretty secluded lifestyle. Sounds like he's just skateboarding like recording music mm-hmm. and that's it maybe it performing you know it doesn't really it sounds like he's really lives a pretty like a pretty he's not super up with what's going on yeah. today um so which is just an interesting detail like if something that comes up um but yeah generally i really enjoy this album mm-hmm. uh, there's a like there's some, a lot of good songs on it really good songs there's a lot of songs on it there's a lot of songs <laughs> on it in general and some of it some of the songs are like pretty i mean you could take or leave they're yeah. not amazing and they're not outright bad except yeah. for that Nicki Minaj song the song with Nicki Minaj I'm just like once again throughout all of this Wayne's rapping is like is yeah. top notch yeah, even on the absolutely. bad songs the rapping is very good yeah. it's just about do I want to listen to like this maudlin song that was probably made in 20 it, like, yeah, it exactly. sounds like it's made in 2014 they were like trying to catch a wave that was probably you know cresting then but it's it's it Long hit the shore now yeah, that's right that's right um, like a really early, a standout track for me early on uh, is the song with Travis Scott, which is called Let It Fly. And the first few times that I heard the song, I was like, man, if anyone had any question about whether or not this album was contemporary, Travis Scott is the most contemporary sounding rapper, yes. just like production style. And this is the way his flows are. It's like you hear him, you're like, okay, this is like 2018. Yeah. You know, it just sounds like today. And that's like kind of what stood out to me the first few times I listened to the song. But the more I listened to it, uh, I, the more I could, I now I just skip the Travis Scott part and I go right to Wayne's part because this is like one of the most like lights out Wayne mixtape wheezy kind of freestyle, a free associative rapping verses in some time. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe since <laughs> dedication six when he did big bad wolf, but, but just generally speaking, if you want that like mixtape wheezy vibe, this song really has it. The rhyme scheme is insane. Like it is insane rapping. Like mm-hmm. this, he has like he's he's rapping quickly, and he has so many punchlines. Really funny, funny stuff in it. Um, we'll, let's listen to a snippet of it because I just really, really need you to hear what what I'm hearing from this. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, there's that song, there's the Mona Lisa song, which is a crazy narrative that Wayne spins, um, about these women that he's, that are his friends or his crew mm-hmm. and how they like, they scam men. Yeah, that's, you gotta be careful out here. He's like, I see you shining in the club. Yeah. He's like, I send these, like, you know. Mona Lisa is, uh, yeah, that's like one of the going to be one of the songs of the year, in my opinion. Even though it may have made the Madden 2011 soundtrack, it's still like super good. <laughs> it's incredible. It's it's just an incredible, incredible narrative, and yeah. just like also show it reminds you of like Wayne has a lot of credibility and is really well renowned for his mixtapes, but he's also proven over the years to be a really proficient songwriter mm-hmm. and creating narratives like yeah. you think about pro- the songs we we're talking about earlier prostitute flange mm-hmm. like that is a crazy narrative yeah even if you think of like a song with Wyclef 
uh, back in the day. Is it sweetest sweetest thing? Mm-hmm. Sweetest is a pop song, <laughs> pop song. But I I I like. Is a, there's a good narrative to it? Yeah. You know, like so. I, I'll also say like wait, like this song has a lot of like conceptual songs and like and like honestly like. Uh, you know, storytelling is, I think, one of the things people miss most in rap music. Like, it was such a, a wonderful part of rap in the 90s. Uh, and this is sort of um, uh, like uh, his version of that Biggie song where Biggie talks about uh, robbing one of the Knicks. You know, I got a story to tell. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's this kind of like, it sort of reminded me of that, of that song, you know? Yeah. And just even going. Just even more on the the concept thing, there's a song called Open Letter, mm-hmm. which is like Wayne talks about his near-death experiences mm-hmm. and about the time that he tried to commit suicide when he was young, which mm-hmm. for years, the story that was told publicly about this was that he shot himself by accident. Mm-hmm. But it, in the recent, first on the Solange album on the song Mad mm-hmm. is where he talks. It was one of the first times that he talked about that it was actually a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. And then on this, on Open Letter, he goes even deeper into like what was going on in his life at the time, which essentially is his mom told me couldn't rap anymore mm-hmm. and he did not want to live anymore. And he was, yeah, was, I mean, he was, he was 11. When that yeah. Happened? 11 or yeah. 12. Crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, there, so as we kind of alluded to earlier, one of the things I found kind of curious about it is there's a couple songs that sounded kind of Drakey to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Uh, and so it was, it is interesting that, you know, um, with Wayne sort of, you know, his return kind of to the limelight, really, for the, I mean, he's, not that he hasn't had some great moments in the last few years, but, uh, song What About Me. Yeah, What That's About Me. That's a really Drakey sounding, yeah. sounding song. And it's interesting, and like Drake, also, like, I think in the past is, I've seen him do big pushes on social media, and he did po- make one post about, about this, mm-hmm. but I, I, he also made a lot of other posts, uh, in the, the same day. Yeah, the relationship with Drake and Wayne is weird. For instance, Drake shot the In My Feelings video in New Orleans, and there mm-hmm. is a big mural of little Wayne in the video, mm-hmm. but no little Wayne. Yeah. And if, if you look at the relationship between Drake and Wayne versus the relationship between Wayne and Nikki, yeah. it's really stark contrast. Like Nikki's featured on this album, her verse yeah. made it. In the Elliot Wilson interview, Wayne said that there was a song with Drake that just didn't come out because of clearances. Like they couldn't get the clearances like through the label or whatever. Yeah. So seems like there might be some stuff behind the scenes that like they's like the label just didn't want to like get, I don't know, allow the song to be out, be out for whatever reason. But there does, I like, you know, I can't help but think there's some tension there. Mm-hmm. Just even in the way that they, they, that they kind of like talk about each other in public. It's not, it's not the, the love fest that you would, Maybe well, because I mean, they had a tour like that was literally a, a Little Wayne and Drake love fest in 2014, the the Drake versus Little uh, Little Wayne tour, where they like would come on stage, perform with each other, had whole routines, being uh-huh. like, if you think Drake's the best rapper, cheer now. Uh-huh. If you think Little uh-huh. Wayne's the best rapper, cheer now, and all this kind of thing. That was super like flirty and like you know they clearly were really loving each other then. I mean, I think that a part of it is that like Drake has in some sense become bigger than any rapper ever in yeah, terms yeah. of his, his success. It's true. Uh, and I think Drake is, is also changed. He doesn't seem as happy in general. It doesn't seem as like, like happy to be here. I mean, kind we, of. yeah. Like, I mean, this is the early hallmark of his career was that he was like, a, kind of had an aw shucks personality. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh shucks. Like I, I am pretty good, but yeah. there's a lot of other really good people. Yeah. 
And then at some point he's like, I'm buff now. I'm <laughs> yeah. the best yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different, it's a different vibe. And yeah. I think that it also would just naturally changes the relationship to Wayne where it's yeah. like, they're more like peers or if anything, like Drake's the, the young superstar. And yeah. it's almost like Wayne needs to, <laughs> I don't know. Wayne doesn't have to do anything, yeah. but it's like, in terms of like what people, what like, the general populace looks at rap. They look, they view these guys differently. Yeah. And I mean, I, I remember um, I was at a Raptors game in like 2015, maybe. And there was like a thing um, like, you know, like, like in between and like during a timeout where they like asked a bunch like a player, a bunch of questions like either or. And one of the questions they asked them was like two chains or little Wayne. And there was um, like a maybe 16 year old kid next to me uh, who was like, and Lil Wayne's like the worst rapper around. And I want to fight that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I obviously get his parents to sign, yeah. <laughs> sign a waiver, allowed him. Well, it's illegal that, now. It's oh, like three years later, so you, okay. you got to find, find him. Kid, if, you, if you're somehow <laughs> listening to this podcast and you're at this Raptors game and you remember this moment, um, just find me on social media. <laughs> Let's meet up. Yeah. I mean, but it was like, in fairness, like, if you, you know, thinking about how old this kid was, like, who was Little Wayne to you? If you never gone back and like looked into it, it's like he's this person everybody said so great. He's not so great. Yeah. Like you know whatever. Really middling raps. Yeah. Occasional, occasional hot verse on a feature. Yeah, but like it's like kind of like especially if you were sort of a teenager, then you're like I don't care what old people think. You know also what I true. mean? Also true. So, you know, I, 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 re- I retract the offer to fight. Yeah. It's inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Was... Like you know, but I, it's I, at the same time, it's like it's sort of similar uh, to the Pusha situation where I'm like, I'm just happy he's doing well. You know mm-hmm. that it's not mm-hmm. just this kind of like zombie stage of his career where he's like, because he has to, he's like out there doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously there's a part of it that this record is actually kind of a zombie and that it died and that it's like been pieced back together and mm-hmm. and you know it's somehow I still mean, walking. But it's actually that's sort of like Little Wayne too. Not yeah. to get too morbid, but no. He, Absolutely. He, he had a few seizures. There's a few, there's like different points over the last few years where it seemed like he might die. Uh, yeah. And I remember like after the most recent one, uh, there was a huge love fest on Twitter where a bunch of rappers were talking about what little Me- Wayne means to them, like chance the rapper, like all two chains. And even the song, there's a song, on this album dedicate, which samples a song that two chains made from the, the uh, album that they, he released with Wayne, the Collie Grove album hmm. a song called dedication. That is like a tribute to Little Wayne and just talks about the importance of Little Wayne. And Wayne samples that mm-hmm. here. And I think also bookends, I don't know if it's that song or if it's a, the, another one, but bookends it with a great quote from Barack Obama. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> so good. <laughs> really great sample about um, how you can't all be LeBron uh, James, James or Little, or Little Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. And I yeah. love It's so good because it's like that those two people, like it's like LeBron James, you know, billionaire, maybe future president. <laughs> and you know maybe the best basketball player of all time little wayne well naturally his his parallel in hip hop that's right that's right so yeah i just want to talk a bit about some of the standout songs so some of these songs so there's one song that's going to be a, a, it's already about to be a breakaway hit there is a challenge which a social media challenge which also is just like that's, that's, how, you, that's, that's how you get that's it. how you get that's how you get on and some of the you know, sometimes the challenges seem like super put on and label fed and mm-hmm. i'm not going to say that this one isn't but the song is great. It's a song called Uproar. Uh, Shiggy, who created the In My Feelings dance and challenge, is involved. And, um, you know, see celebrities posting their version. So this song is going to be a huge hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy that song. I also really like, um, I really like Let It Work Out. Let it, um, 
Let It All Work Out, which is the final oh, song. Yeah, of the that album. song's super like good. Really... Yeah, because I, f- I kind of found the the latter half lags a little bit. Yeah, that and, song Demon is not yeah. great. And uh, and yeah, <laughs> so I also find the song. Um, I find the song. Uh, it's called Mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I find that song actually maybe unintentionally funny because it's, it's like my life's a mess because I'm so happy. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, it's like uh, it's like kind of like a Kanye esque song or something like uh-huh, that, like uh-huh. current Kanye. Yeah. Um, the song the song with Snoop Dogg is super good too. Mm-hmm, I feel that's mm-hmm. a, that's, a, that's maybe underrated deep cut that'll enjoy a lot so it's a lot of music it's a lot of, it's i think it's like in the in the attention economy that we live in in the check instagram every 10 minutes you have uh free time and mm-hmm. then you don't even realize how long you've been looking at it yeah um i think that it's it's really hard to expect people to listen to a song with 23 songs or listen to an album with 23 songs mm-hmm. it's like an hour and a half long in one sitting or even two sittings yeah. or even three sittings yeah like, the, the like i i think that uh, and I think also, especially listening to an album like this, which where the production is not the most engaging thing for mm. on most of the songs, it's like the actual rapping. And a lot of the rapping doesn't necessarily sound like the rapping that's on the radio or is even on, probably on your streaming playlist or anything like that. It's like really kind of like really unique sounding flows and mm-hmm. just different stuff. I think for a lot of people, it's probably not going to reach out and grab you by the shirt collar in that way. But I think that if you are... Uh, like a careful listener of you're like a little Wayne fan who's like really hoping this album is good. There is a lot here for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the funniest things about this record uh, as related to what we were talking about is that little Wayne supposes biggest fan in the world, young thug posted as his record came out that he's little Wayne's biggest fan, but Gunna and little baby, two of his sort of proteges record is going to be actually better. And then shortly after announced that he will soon be maybe this week, maybe a little bit later, be releasing the barter seven. <laughs> so the saga goes on. <laughs> Savage. This is a yeah. single white female. Yeah, it really, here, really is. This is wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the history of little Wayne. That's our history with little Wayne. That's yeah. the Carter five. Um, Someday I will, I like, honestly, thinking about i will like go into a deep dive of like little wayne from between the years like 2004 to 2009 because it is like it is for me still the most fascinating period of rap music of all time the music stands up so well now Mm. you know and and it just is really fascinating to see like an artist where it just felt like he had tapped into something and it was like it was like he was just mainlining like creativity and it was, you know, you couldn't stop him. It was like irrepressible in that way. And, you know, I think for people like us who have experienced that, we, you can't help but be excited about Lil Wayne getting a W like this record. Okay, and for our final segment of the show, we're going to do something a little differently. In the past, at this moment of the show, we would recommend four songs, like songs from the artists that we've mentioned or like stuff we may have talked about, and plus one other thing that we've been listening to. Uh, but this week, we're going to start a new chapter after our hiatus. So mm-hmm. this week, we're just going to mention one thing that we're really enjoying in hip-hop and R&B. So it could be a song, it could be an article it could be an idea it could be a trend it's just kind of like an open floor mm-hmm. um and do you want to start james yeah um i'm actually calling an audible because i've 
was thinking about I originally I had an idea of what I was going to talk about, but I'm going to talk about something different, which is uh, Lil Uzi Vert has a song that he uh, was put a trailer out uh, for basically in the beginning of the summer, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, and he was in this in this uh, sort of teaser for this song. He's doing this like amazing dance, and it's just really fun to watch. But his dancing almost distracted from the song. Well, the song finally came out. It's called New Paddock. Patek, Patek. I don't know how you actually say it. Like rapper, all rappers, rappers say, say it. Patek, yeah. Patek, Patek Philippe. That's yeah, yeah. Patek yeah. Philippe. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Uh, and it is a super fun song. Um, just it, super bouncy, super excitable, um, and like you know, it's just sort of been worth the wait. Lil Uzi Vert is kind of a funny artist because he he doesn't really put out as much music as he should. It's like he, I feel like he is. Uh, kind of doing what is and has been doing what is most popular, and yet, like, like there doesn't seem to be enough of it. And so, it's always really nice when like a new like banger comes out by mm-hmm. him. He does have a new album on the horizon that's set to be released, I believe, this year. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um. So, thing that I want to mention is a, uh, I, I saw a really great tweet um, from Toronto rapper producer Rich Kid, and. It sparked this whole odyssey that I went on the other night. I posted it in Boosie Fade, the group. Um, the tweet says, the true star of every independent Toronto artist video is Hennessy. And for me, it just like cracked me up because it's true. And I wrote a post in Boosie Fade, the group saying, also shout out to all the condos and Airbnbs yeah. that served as locations for the music videos of so many of our favorite underground city micro hits. Yeah, the car and rentals. All the car rentals. So just, I just say, hey, I'm thinking about like, what songs fall into into these under these umbrellas of just like Hennessy and condos or Airbnb video locations made me think of the local rapper Pressa. Um, so Pressa, who you may not we may not know, is a local rap local gangster rapper. Had a big hit, uh, first like minor hit with Murder Beats last year called Novocaine, which then eventually led to another song that he made with Tory Lanez called Canada Goose, which is his biggest hit. Um, so I was watching his, his, some of his old videos, which he started, like he first got a shine cause he was played on the OVO sound radio show, the song called dead Mihana. And so I looked, I watched that video and then it led me to another impressive video called, uh, to be honest, to be TBH. And it, re- it transported me back to 2016 when I first saw these songs. And I remember being just so extremely excited about it because at that time we hadn't had a really big street rapper outside of the Drake apparatus, like mm-hmm. officially at least yeah. that had that made gangster rap that led, that was actually transcending just Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to press and be like, this could be the guy that does it. Like yeah. he has a really unique voice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that a lot of the subject matter is familiar subject matter, but even the way that he went about it seemed different yeah. and his swag seemed different. Yeah. And, and, he, and he's also like the, the streets, you know, really, uh, mess with him he's like you know legitimate he's not like a fake sort of like studio like he's probably he's perhaps too real yes, of a rapper yeah, if any, I'm, I'm not gonna get i'm not gonna get into his legal issues but you can google them yeah. and find find out um but yeah uh, and i don't know like these songs even like which is different from like his more recent songs to me but like, like i don't know if it's something about the innocence of like hoping that this artist would be would get the renown that i think he deserves mm-hmm. um and him actually 
achieving it and then it's not feeling as new but there's a certain sweetness to these older songs dead miana and to be honest Mm -hmm. that i that i felt when i was watching it and they're both just really fun interesting songs and it's like a new sound so um if you haven't listened to old pressa and by old i mean like two years old i would say like you know check it out like check out check out tbh is like my favorite from this era because it's just Mm -hmm. like He's got a really like, kind of like almost like a borderline whiny voice and yeah. it's like sing-songy and I don't know, just like a really earwormy hook and the song just sticks with you. Someone I really like playing at Boozy Fade. There's some, some real Pressa fans who will come out of the woodwork at like 1.30 <laughs> Boozy Fade and not, like, like especially the Wasgang, like, oh, yes, like really right. early stuff. I yes. love playing that. So uh, that's it for this week. Um, yeah, so obviously please uh, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. Uh, if you haven't done it, we want to shout out all our listeners. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, we would love to see, you know, we love seeing that. We love getting that Instagram tag mm-hmm. showing us that you're listening to the podcast. It so, really is a boost. So if you're listening right now and you feel like helping us out, post post a screenshot, tag me at Jordan is Joso yeah. or James at Rattlebone. Let us see it. Um we also want to mention that we are we're hosting a film screening at the in, if you're in Toronto at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. I'm giving you enough notice that you can be in Toronto for basically anywhere in the world. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, a month from now. It's Thursday, November eighth. We are showing the classic hip hop crime film Caper Juice, which is directed by Ernest Dickerson and features Tupac Shakur and Omar Epps and Queen Latifah and many other people. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really, if you haven't seen this movie, it's a fucking great film. Mm-hmm. If you have seen it, it's, I, I, I doubt that you saw it on, in a, in a movie theater. So Do we know if it's going to be on 35 yet. I feel like it's probably going to be, I think it is. Yeah. So basically, I mean, one of the things that's been amazing about this film screening series that we've done is that every both of the movies that we've done were on 35 millimeter. I mean, all movies were shown on 35 millimeter once upon a time. But like, it, there's a real like magic to seeing these movies that are I think most of us saw on like either VHS or DVD, uh, and then like seeing it in its original format. And like TIFF is such great like screening equipment and and sound mm-hmm. and everything. So it's like. It's kind of the ideal way to see this movie. So yeah, come mess with us. And thanks for messing with us once again this week. We'll be back next week. Yeah. We got so much more for you guys. Yeah. All right. Have a great week. Stay safe. Love y'all.